It is good to be back, and it is good to see my church family. Let me just read Psalm 148. I, I just, this psalm fits so well with, I feel like where we're at this morning and where I want to go with you this morning. Hear the word of the Lord from Psalm 148. It says this, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord from the heavens. Praise him in the heights above. Praise him, all his angels. Praise him, all his heavenly hosts. Praise him, sun and moon. Praise him, all you shining stars. Praise him, you highest heavens and the waters above the skies. Let them praise the name of the Lord. For he commanded and they were created. He set them in place forever and ever. He gave you a decree that will never pass away. Praise the Lord from the earth. You great sea creatures and all the ocean depths, lightning and hail and snow and clouds, stormy winds that do his bidding, you mountains and all hills, fruit trees and all the cedars, wild animals and all cattle, small creatures and flying birds, kings of the earth and all the nations, you princes and all rulers on earth, young men and maidens, old men and children, let them praise the name of the Lord, for his name is exalted. His splendor is above the earth and the heavens. He has raised up for his people a king, the praise of all his saints, of all the saints of Israel, the people close to his heart. Praise the Lord. What I simply want to do this morning is, is two things. Number one is I, I want to say thank you. And I mean that from the bottom of my heart. Thank you. I could not have done this trip without your faithfulness, your faithful prayer support, your faithful financial support, your faithful friendship. There is no doubt in my mind this never would have happened unless you were behind me. I, in some ways, felt sent to do this and accomplish this mission because of who you are and what you had done for me. The book of Philippians um, says this, and, and by the way, I, I had a, when, you, when you're on a motorcycle for 8 to 10 hours a day, you, you have a lot of time to think. You have a lot of time to think about your people back home. And Philippians chapter 1, verse 3 was very evident. I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. There is no doubt as I had the opportunity to travel that uh, I thought about you and prayed for you as you prayed for me. So I thank you for that. And so what I want to do is I simply want to say thank you. Uh, thank you to um, Steve and to Terry and to Luke and Norm and the France team. Thank you for those people who spoke each Sunday. Um, I knew that they would do a great job of speaking truth into your life. All of that was planned out, so I'm grateful to them. I'm grateful for the staff, and I'm grateful for all of you for what you've done. So thank you so much. The last thing I want to do is I, I just want to give you a, a brief summary of, of God's work on this journey. You know, again, I felt like in some sense you sent me to accomplish a goal. I was able to accomplish that goal. And so what I want to do is I want to, in the context of Psalm 148, God's goodness and God's grace, in the context of God's faithfulness, just to provide a brief report. And I want to take you on the journey is what I want to do. Second um, Thessalonians says this, but the Lord is faithful and he will strengthen and protect you from the evil one. The Lord, no doubt, was uh, very, very um, faithful in what he had done for me and for allowing me to go on this trip. So what I want to do is I just want to take you on this journey with me. 
and give you a brief summary of what I did and what I saw the Lord do. Uh, first thing is we need to begin with uh, how this trip originated. Um, in 2015, that's a picture of my brother and I in 2015. We went to Alaska in 2015, crossed the border. And so as he and I were communicating in 2022 about a return trip to Alaska, he wanted to go to Prudhoe Bay. Unfortunately, as most of you know, my brother passed away in February of 2022 from a fentanyl overdose. And our last communication with each other is that we were going to return to Alaska. So what were we going to do? I don't know. My brother passed away. So I had in my mind that I wanted to return. I wanted to return to Alaska and do three things. Number one, I wanted to honor the life of my brother. I wanted to honor his memory. I wanted to honor our motorcycle trips, the many motorcycle trips that we were able to do. Second thing is this. I wanted to raise money for drug awareness. We connected with a um, organization, the Holman Recovery Center in uh, Arlington, Washington. My family and I connected with them. And over the course of the last month and a half, we were able to raise almost $5,000 that goes directly for drug recovery and drug abuse. And that's what we wanted to do. And let me tell you, most of that money came from the people of Hope Church, from you, from your faithfulness. And I know I was able to see a list. I wasn't trying to spy, but I wanted to know because I want to be able to say thank you to those who were able to be a part of this. And listen, I thank you. All of that money, all of that money is going to go for drug awareness and drug prevention. And the last thing I want to do on this trip is this. I, I wanted to use this as an expression of my faith. So I'm a pastor, but I'm a normal person just like you. And I interact with people, and I interact with community, and I, I interact in an entirely different way. And one of the verses that I memorized is 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 15, that says this. And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. My desire was to live for Jesus in the context of this trip so that he would be honored and he would be glorified. And that's ultimately what I wanted to do. And so that's basically the reason for this trip. So July 30th is when I left. That's the motorcycle on my left. Actually, that's my brother's motorcycle. It was my brother's motorcycle, and I had it shipped back here because I wanted to take that motorcycle with me. I wanted to ride with his motorcycle. I had um, a lot of his stuff with me, and it was just a reminder of, of who I was riding for and my desire to honor him. So I left on July 30th, and I came back to the Seattle area where I wanted to attend for a wedding on August 16th. So if you add the days, that's 18 days on a motorcycle. And on the right, you see the mileage. It was actually 6,514 miles from St. Charles, Missouri to my father's house in Seattle. If you break that down to a day, it's about 361 miles a day sitting on a motorcycle. Sometimes it was seven hours, sometimes it was 11 hours. But it's a long time sitting on a motorcycle, seven to 11 hours a day. But that's the nature of the journey. I started here. You can kind of see what's going on here. Um, follow the yellow line. If you follow the yellow line, the original desire for me was to go to a place called Tuk Toyak Tuk, which is a dirt road where you have to go 250 miles in and then 250 miles out. This is the journey that uh, Cindy kind of tracked me in. Um, I went from the St. Louis area, St. Charles area, and I ended up in a place called Anchorage, Alaska. And that was my plan. It was to leave here and eventually end up um, in Tuk Toyuk Tuk, which is basically the Arctic Ocean. July 30th, I left. And it was, I left at 1 o'clock. I left at uh, uh, 1 o'clock, and I took off, and I began to head my way north, wanted to get to Omaha, Nebraska. And this is a picture at 639. I'm here in Mound City, and it is absolutely pouring down rain. 
And I thought, okay, I'm going to make it. I went out and I could see, I could see the clearing. I'm like, I'm going to look, it's, I'm going to go and it's going to be clear sailing. So I went out, but when I made a right to get onto the highway, it was absolutely pouring. So I turned around and came back and I got a hotel for the night. And that was basically the first detour that I had to take. Um, I looked at the app for that uh, area and I knew that for the next two hours I would be doing nothing but riding into the rain. So I hunkered down and got a, a, a motel. Um, in Mound City. And so I uh, was reminded of all the different kinds of weather that I was going to embrace. I'm going to embrace rain, thunderstorms, cold. I'm going to have sun. I'm going to have fog. I'm going to have cl- I'm going to have a wide range of things that I'm going to have to encounter. And I did. I was able to ride through most of that. And God was very gracious in protecting me and keeping me safe. I traveled through areas such as Iowa, and Nebraska, and South Dakota, and Wyoming, Montana, Canada. Canada is absolutely beautiful. Ended up in Alaska, and then I ended up uh, back in the Seattle area where I spent some time with my dad and his family. And this is the, uh, the sign uh, crossing the border um, into Alberta. Um, this is just a, another reminder of, of the wonder and the beauty of where I'm at. When I crossed the border into Montana, I ended up at Calgary. Calgary is stunningly beautiful. And so where I was at, I ended up um, wanting to go through uh, Calgary, and then it goes into Banff National Park, and then it goes into the Icefield Parkways, and it goes into Jasper. And that's the area that I'm riding here. It's absolutely stunningly beautiful in Canada. And it was uh, just a a wonderful, wonderful place to ride. Uh, Canada is absolutely beautiful. Um, The picture to your right is at 627 in the morning. And I had left uh, the area of Montana, and within 30 minutes, I would be crossing the border and going into Canada. Uh, A lot of people ask, um, okay, so when you're in Alaska and you're in those areas, how long does it stay light? And so um, I have a picture here. This is basically, um, I think this is in Haines Junction, which is in the Yukon in Canada. And it's light for most of the day. Um, The picture on your left, I took that at 928 at night. The picture on your right... I actually took at 10.30 at night. So you can see that it's going to be light for most of the day. You're going to have a a short period of darkness. But you can also see how wonderfully beautiful God's creation is and through all of the different places that I was able to go. Here is is just another uh, picture of of the stark contrast of what it was like to travel through those areas. The picture on the left is actually, uh, I had left Anchorage, and as I was leaving Anchorage, it was just misty, it was cold, it was rainy, it was foggy, but it was absolutely beautiful when the sun would break through the fog. And so I got to this area, and I was able to take a picture and just see the wonder and the beauty of God's creation, what it looked like. And you can see the picture of the right, just pulling off it some way and seeing this beautiful lake tucked into the, uh, into the, into the woods and being able to see a reflection of God's goodness and God's beauty as I traveled into Banff, as I traveled the Icefield Parkways, and I traveled up into Jasper. So I ended up camping one night. I actually camped every night. It's just sometimes I would camp in a motel room as opposed to in a camping site. This is Jasper. I wanted to go through Jasper. Jasper is incredibly famous. And so I'm camping in Jasper. I feel like a mountain man. I'm I'm camping in Jasper. And this is where I was camping. I was camping alongside of the river. And it was absolutely beautiful um, as I camped there. 
Um, here is a picture of, of the next morning. I camped that night, and the next morning I got up. It was very, very early, and you can see the sun coming over the, I, I mean, the, you can see the wonder and the beauty of this by the, by the river, by the river, and it was just absolutely beautiful. And as I, as I got up, and as I was walking around, and as I went down by the river, I'm, I'm thinking to myself, you know what, I need to go down by the river, because if I go down by the river, there's probably going to be some kind of animal, something, it's early in the morning. Uh, so I walked down, and the picture to uh, my left is when I came back up the hill, uh, the picture to my left, that's an elk that had bedded down, and there was a herd of elk that had bedded down in that area. And that's what I saw, the wonder and the beauty of God's creation all around us. And as I traveled uh, from uh, south to north, I saw all kinds of uh, animals, wild animals along the way. You know, one of the things that I ask you to pray for is the clouds, the rain, uh, the, the atmosphere, things like that, and for the critters that would come along. And, and that's exactly what happened on the picture to your right. And then we were coming up somewhere in Canada, and there is a, a school bus literally stopped in the middle of the road. And the reason it was stopped in the middle of the road is because this bison had stopped in the middle of the road and was just standing there. And we just kind of stood there and waited uh, for it to pass, and uh, he would come across, and then another would come across, but um, it was just uh, such that it made you feel a little bit uncomfortable because of how big they are when they get up close to you, and again, you just never know what's going to happen as you go through there. Um, here is some other wildlife that we saw, some goats and sheep all around us, depending upon where you're traveling through the, through the mountains, through the rocks. Now, I actually saw a bear first time we went and never was able to see a bear. Here's a black bear on the side of the road just eating. And you have to be careful. You have to drive very, very careful there because you just never know what they're going to do if you're going to spook them or not. Um, on the left-hand side, we were traveling, and we were actually coming this way. And as we were coming this way, we looked off to the right, and all of a sudden a mother bear, this brown bear, stood up. And uh, the cars were coming and two motorcycles were coming. And uh, the brown bear stood up as if to warn everybody that she had two cubs there. So we came up this way and we turned around and we stopped and we took a picture. And that's a, a mother brown bear and there's two cubs there. And that's the nature of just the wildlife and all of the things that uh, you would see and experience on a trip from Canada to Alaska. Um, moose. Moose are absolutely beautiful. They're huge. Um, but we always saw them running by the road, and I always have had in my mind a picture of a moose by a lake, by the river. That's, I kind of have that uh, in my mind, because that's where a moose is supposed to be, down by the river, down by the uh, river or by a lake. And so I was passing by, and all of a sudden, I looked to the right. I was on my way home, and I looked to the right, and there's my moose down by the, by the water. So I pulled over to the side, and I actually had to walk back. You couldn't see me. I actually had to walk back. And then I got into a, a little opening where I could see him um, through, some, uh, through some trees and through some brush. And I, and I saw him, and he looked at me, and he never took his eyes off of me. You can see how far away we are, but he never took his eyes off of me. And he was consistently watching. And this is just a, a beautiful sight of God's creation that we were able to see and experience. I consider, uh, continued the trip, and um, the first leg is basically over, and the second leg was going to uh, begin, and the picture over here on the left is, is this begins the Alcan Highway. I'm in Dawson. I'm in Dawson Creek here, and this begins the Alaskan Highway. This is kind of where you transition up, when you begin to go up and you end up into Alaska, and uh, that was kind of a marker, and uh, I stopped in Dawson Creek, 
and had this picture taken, and then um, I went to a hotel room, and then God did something unique. Um, it was August the 3rd, and I had stopped the hotel room, and uh, I was getting ready to unload, and a guy on this motorcycle pulls up, and we began to talk, and he asked me where I'm going, and I said, I'm going here, and he says, well, I'm going to, to Toke, I'm going to another place, and uh, we began to talk, and uh, before we left, um, he asked me, he goes, well, what time are you leaving in the morning? Seven, And he goes, well, listen, I'll ride with you. And that's what he did. God provided a connection with this person by the name of Clay. And we rode for four days together. You know, one of the fears that I had, one of the fears that some family members close to me had, is just riding alone. Now, I was never alone because the Lord was with me. But God provided a guy by the name of Clay. And for four days from Dawson Creek till we got to Anchorage, we rode together. So we rode together. Um, I basically followed him. We had breakfast together. We had lunch together. We had stops together. And he became a good friend of mine. And we had an opportunity to visit. I found out on the second day uh, that he was a believer. And uh, we had an opportunity to be together and to share life together and to be encouraged. And I consider him a friend uh, because of our experience together. We left um, Dawson Creek and we went to a place called Watson Lake. And Watson Lake is very, very interesting. Um, because of this picture that you see right there. Um, it's called the Sign Forest. And what happened with this Sign Forest is this. In 1942, they were building the Alaskan Highway. And during the construction, some people put up signs um, giving the distance of how far from that point it was to their hometown. A couple of people put up some signs. And then one guy by the name of Carl Lindley, he put up a sign from that point to his hometown. And when he did that, more and more people began to put up signs. So thousands and thousands of people put up signs. When I was there in 2015, I went and put up a sign, and I took a picture, and I went back to the exact spot where I placed that sign. Someone had removed the license plate that I would put there. But this time, as you can see in the picture of the right, that's a license plate from my brother's motorcycle. That was my way of honoring him, was to bring that, that was a, a marker for me, to bring that license plate uh, that was on my brother's motorcycle and put it there. And I know exactly where it's at. And I left that in honor of him. And that is uh, where we were at in Watson Lake. At some point, Clay and I stopped on the side of the road. And we just stopped to look at what was going on and to look at God's creation. As we stopped there, uh, Clay just said to me, he said to me these words, how can you not look? out at all that we see and all that we've experienced and the beauty and not believe that there's something else here. It was just a reminder of the beauty of God's creation. The Bible says this, the heavens reveal the glory of God. God's invisible attributes, his eternal power are constantly before us, reminding us of who he is. God has not left himself without witness, and we see it all around us. And through Canada and through Alaska, we saw the stunning beauty of God's creation. We continued on our way um, into Canada, and I know the exact moment that I arrived in Alaska. It was August 6th. It was 1241, and I had gone at that particular time 3,000 488 miles, and that's where I am, crossing the border into Alaska, and wondering how much more time am I going to be able to spend on this motorcycle, because uh, certain body parts 
were getting very tired. My rear end, for one, and my hands. Um, it's not a very, very comfortable bike that I was riding of my brother's. Um, but we had made it to Alaska, and that was Clay's goal, was he wanted to make it to Alaska. One of the things that Alaska brings out, and one of the reasons why I ride a motorcycle, and one of the reasons why um, I, I, I challenge you, and, and I hope that you will see a challenge, is this. Alaska brings out some kind of adventurous spirit. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think God wants us to be and look at creation and look at all he's done and to be people who live by faith and to look at different things and experiences that we can do and, and to step out in faith in, in a variety of ways. And Alaska just seems to bring out a, a, a wonderful spirit. Um, the motorcycle on, on your left, the guy's from Argentina. He bought the motorcycle in uh, Arizona, had it shipped to Alaska, uh, to Anchorage, and now he's riding down, um, and he's going to end up um, going through uh, Michigan, and he's going to leave the bike in Michigan, and then he's going to return next summer so that he can ride Route 66. This adventurous spirit that brings out somewhat the best in people, if you will. The picture in the middle is these two guys are from South America. They're from Brazil. They went all the way south in South America, and they began to work their way up all the way north, and they were going to end up at Prudhoe Bay, two guys traveling together, traveling together in a partnership together. And the picture of the right is just absolutely bizarre. This is an old vintage Indian motorcycle, and it has a stick shift on it. And there was about three or four of them that left Pennsylvania on these vintage motorcycles. And by the way, this guy had to rebuild this motorcycle. That's what he does. He, he rebuilds vintage motorcycles. He had to have heads shipped to him so he could rebuild this motorcycle in Canada. And I was worried about breaking down? This guy's rebuilding a motorcycle in British Columbia. This is a vintage motorcycle. And they were going to go to Prudhoe Bay. One of the other guys with them had a vintage motorcycle, and there was a part of the highway that was absolutely horrendous because of the, the way that the, the road buckles in the wintertime. Well, he was going over one of those and absolutely bent the frame on his motorcycle. So they're at this hotel. They have to dismantle this motorcycle, take it and have it welded before they can continue on, and they're going to continue on to Prudhoe Bay. I'm just a wimp compared to them. There's something about that adventurous spirit that I think is beautiful, and I think it's wonderful. And I believe that God wants us at particular point in times to step out in faith and to honor him and to glorify him. So I continued on my journey. One of the things that was really difficult is that uh, as I rode, I could see um, smoke in the air. Even when I crossed the border, I knew that there were fires in Canada. And I knew that they were going to be up there. So every once in a while, you would see the smoke rolling. It was very, very hazy, Haynes Junction. You'd see the smoke lingering. And I hit a, a major detour. Um, I was on my way to Whitehorse. In a Whitehorse, that's where I would have to separate from Clay. My goal was to go up the Klondike Highway to the Dempster Highway and go to the Arctic Ocean. When I got to Whitehorse, there was a sign above me that said, Travel Advisory, Klondike Highway, um, Dempster Highway. So I went into Whitehorse got on my iPad and began to look at the travel advisories. And the two travel advisories were this. There was a fire um, outside of uh, Dawson City, which is where I had to go, off of the Klondike Highway. There was a fire that had shut down that road. And then there was also fire um, in the Dempster Highway, and that too was closed. 
So here I am with the dilemma. What am I supposed to do? Where am I going to go? What am I going to do? And so I basically decided that I, I need to reroute and I need to go through Anchorage. Now, I was going to end up in Anchorage anyway, but I was not anticipating that these two highways um, would be close. And if I'm going to be fully transparent with you, I'm going to be honest with you. I don't know that I would have made it to Tuck by myself. That's a 250-mile dirt road. And if it rains, it makes it like slick as ice. And if I dropped that motorcycle that I was on, which was a constant fear, I don't know if I ever get, I'd ever would have gotten it up. I just don't know if I'd have made it. And that's a hard road. And I'm kind of a wimpy rider, you know. And the other thing is, I was supposed to do that with my brother. And I'm not supposed to do that by myself. So fully transparent. Could I have done that? Yeah. I would have had to reroute some things. But that just wasn't in the cards for me. So I headed to Anchorage is what I did. And so I rode to Anchorage, which was absolutely beautiful. And when you look at God's creation, you look at all that we did, you look at the loneliness of this highway, you can see um, what you were up against in, in the road uh, that people travel. And by the way, there's a lot of people nowadays, they call them outlanders. Uh, they may have a camper, they may have a travel. Uh, they may have uh, people who, well, I call them the house on wheels. They travel this highway all along, all the time. And what they may do is they may find a place that's a little, a little road um, off of the highway, and they may take their little car or their outlander vehicle, and they may go down and, and they may stop, and they may camp there for the night all by themselves. I saw two people walking. They were pushing something. Um, they were pushing carts. Obviously, they were raising money for some kind of cause. I saw two people like that. And I can't tell you how many times I saw people on bicycles. Bicycles. And I'm on a motorcycle. And you guys are worried about me on a motorcycle? And here these people are on bicycles traveling maybe 100 miles a day and stopping in a place where they're like a giant meal for a bear? <laughs> but they did it. And I was impressed with their ability to uh, travel. This mountain is just absolutely beautiful. I mean, it's stunningly beautiful. And it just reminds me of uh, what I was up against. You know, now that I wasn't going to talk, the question in the back of my mind and the question that people have for me is, what are you going to do with your brother's ashes? Because that's why I was going to talk. I wanted to spread his ashes um, in the Arctic Circle. What are you going to do? And it was, it was in the lingering in the back of my mind. I mean... Is this going to be a failure for the trip? I mean, is it anticlimactic? I mean, that was kind of the dilemma that I faced. And uh, this next picture is a, uh, why doesn't it not like me? This is a great picture of what I felt like the, the dilemma was before me. There's this huge mountain, and then there's a little mountain, and I'm this lonely little person on this highway trying to figure out where in the world I'm going and where I'm going to end up. And that's just a great description of where I absolutely felt myself to be. And the question was, Lord, what do you want me to do? Where do you want me to go? What am I supposed to do? So I continued on and made it to Anchorage on, I believe it was August 7th. Um, Anchorage proved to be kind of a, a, an interesting place. Um, I was going to stay in Anchorage. I was going to stay in a motel because uh, I didn't want to bother people. I, I, just, I needed just to, to kind of figure out where I was going to do and what I wanted to do. And then uh, I, I called a Motel 6 because I wanted to figure out how much it was going to be there. You know, Motel 6s are kind of cheap. 
and they leave the light on for you. Um, do you know how much a Motel 6 was in Anchorage, Alaska? $250 a night. I said, I don't want to buy the place. I just want to stay one night. And there was no way. I, I can't justify that. I mean, my wife would be shocked if she's getting alerts that I'm spending $250 a night. She'd be like, you better be camping. And so the Keatings had actually sent me a text. I said, listen, if you get to Anchorage and you don't have a place to stay, connect with the DeVries, the DeVries family who had been there. Connect with the DeVries family. DeVries, Jonathan, Amy. Uh, work with Interact, Interact, which is a mission organization that connects with indigenous peoples in Anchorage. And what he does, what Jonathan does, is he flies into all of these villages, bringing missionaries and connecting with them, their host family and, and connecting with all of these people. And so I called them. And on short notice, they said, yeah, you can stay with us. You can stay in our house. And they were so incredibly accommodating to me and allowing me to stay with them and allowing me to, to kind of uh, hang out with them. And so what I did was I spent a couple of days uh, in the area of Anchorage. And uh, I traveled, um, one day I traveled, um, because I was trying to set up and figure out where I needed to go, I, I traveled to a place called Whittier. And so I, re- I wrote up the, the, the inlet, and here are just a couple of pictures. Um, this is a, a glacier. This is actually a glacier outside of uh, Whittier. And uh, the thing... The thing about um, Whittier is this. It's a, it's a fishing community. It's an interesting fishing community. It's a small fishing community. And the interesting thing is, not only is it a fishing community, but that hotel, most of the people in Whittier live in that hotel. Almost all of the infrastructure of the people, that they live in that hotel. It's a fishing community. It's kind of a, a community where a boat would come in, and uh, they, they would... Uh, uh, plan and have things for tourists that would, would come through. The other thing is, is this tunnel. Now, this is kind of interesting. The picture on your right, it's a tunnel. It's 2.7 miles, and it goes through uh, this mountain. And what's interesting about this tunnel is this. You can only go one way, and then you have to come back the other way. And they control traffic. And the other thing is, when you ride through it, if you can see that, when you ride your motorcycle, you're riding in between railroad tracks. Now, I don't know if you know how wide railroad tracks are, but they're about, about that wide. And it's concrete, and it's wet. And so I was going to ride through this. And that was one of the scariest parts of the trip, riding through that tunnel 2.7 miles, knowing that if I sneeze, I could go either way and crash. And they actually have a brochure for you of what to do if you crash in the middle of the highway. And so for 2.7 miles, dear Jesus, get me through this, this tunnel. And I made it through. The bad news is you got to come back through the same tunnel. And what they do is they allow all the traffic to go through and then they put you in the back. And that's what I did. I went to the back. Now, I realize for some of you it's not a big deal. But when you're riding in the middle of tracks, 2.7 miles, it's not the greatest of lightning, and it's wet, it's a little bit nervy. And God was very, very gracious and allowed me to get through it. I made my way back home, as you can see for this picture. It's absolutely beautiful, and what you can't see is barely, there's just people out fishing out there. And that's what they do in Alaska. They come out, they fish, and they enjoy the out-of-doors. 
um, the, uh, the DeVries, family, DeVries family told me I need to go to Flat Top Mountain because if you ride up uh, outside of Anchorage to Flat Top Mountain, you go to the top and you can see over the city. Well, you can see over the city. I didn't see anything over the city. That was kind of what the, the weather was like in Alaska. And it, it was really hard for me. Um, I spent four or five days in my rain gear. And, and I don't know if you've ever spent a lot of time in rain gear or, or riding on a motorcycle or just being in rain gear for four or five days. It was, it was hard. It was very, very difficult. And I was ready to get out of it. So while I was in Anchorage, um, I was trying to figure out what am I going to do with my brother's remains? You know, how am I going to deal with my brother's remains? And on my way to Anchorage, my dad sent me a text. There's, my dad sent me two texts. He sent me a bunch of texts, but two texts that were just uh, life-changing. And, the, and one of the texts said this. When he knew that I couldn't go to talk and I had to deal with my brother's remains, he's, he sent me a text, and he said this. This is what I think he ought to do. Plan B. I want you to, uh, I think he ought to go to Lake Hood, which is a lake just outside of Anchorage. It's a float plane lake. And I want you to rent a float plane, and I want you to get in the float plane, and I want you to have them to fly you over the Kenai River, where we, in 1970, 71, 72, we had a lot on the Kenai River. I want you to have them fly you over the Kenai River. You'll fly over where our lot was, and I want you to have them land at Skelac Lake and uh, deposit his remains. And when he sent me that text, I'm like, Really? That's, and I replied, I said, that, that's really interesting. So when I got to Anchorage, I inquired from the DeVries if that would actually work. He was a pilot. Oh, back. And so I contracted with Trail Regier, and uh, I went to them, and I said, listen, this is what I want to do. So I showed up on that Thursday, and this is the pilot. Her name is Tia, and she's a wonderful little lady. And uh, when I was on my way over there, I prayed, Lord, I would really love to have a female pilot. And I showed up, and this is her. That's the plane in the background, and uh, that's the plane that uh, I was able to, to take. Uh, what I'm going to do right now is, has anybody ever been on a float plane? I'd never been on a float plane before in my life. Um, but it's a, it, it's a pretty unique and cool experience. And I recorded 30 seconds of us taking off. So hopefully if, if, if uh, Tyler can get I just want to show you. I, I want you to experience what I experienced. So uh, this is Tia and I in a float plane. And so we took off um, from, uh, from Lake Hood. And uh, we traveled basically over Cook Inlet. And let me just show you a couple of pictures. Um, we traveled over Cook Inlet. And we ended up... Um, connecting with the Kenai River. Now, the, the significant part about the Kenai River is this, is that um, that is where our lot was uh, on, uh, on the Kenai River when we lived there in 1970. And what my dad would do is my dad would take us up the Kenai River. He would take us upriver. And my brother and I, we would get out. He'd take us like seven, eight miles out. He would take us out, and then he would drop us off, and we would be in a rubber raft, a four-man rubber raft, and we would float all the way back down until we got to our place uh, on the Kenai River. And um, what we would do is we would fish all the way up and down. And here are a couple of pictures. You know, the left is us taking off. Uh, the right is, that's the Kenai River. That is what the Kenai River looks like. And um, it's absolutely stunningly beautiful. Um, when you look at the picture of the right, 
Um, that's the Moose River. The Moose River comes in and it connects with the Kenai. And so we connected with the Kenai River, and we just continued to meander our way up. And this is what it looked like. And there's no doubt in my mind as we went up there, no doubt in my mind that some particular point we crossed the area where we had land, where we had a lot on the Kenai River. And uh, I don't know exactly where it was, but she was able to follow. We traveled at 1,000 feet in the air, and we traveled at 88 miles an hour um, to go over Cook Inlet and to go over that. And as we traveled, uh, we went up to the river, and as we got closer and closer, uh, Skelac Lake was there. The first thing that I did was um, I have these little vials. I took 10 of them, and I took water from the lake, and I took some of the water from the lake, and I took some little pebbles. And I did this as, it, it's just a kind of a memorial for me, and I had some for my family and those who thought that this might be significant. And so I have a vial, of just a reminder of the trip and where I deposited my, my brother's remains. And then Tia, um, God bless her, she, uh, she videotapes as I was able to, to scatter the remains uh, of my brother. And uh, that's what I did at Skelac Lake. Um, we got back in the plane and came back, and we flew back to, uh, we flew back to um, Lake uh, Hood um, where we landed, and then um, I was able to spend a few minutes with her and thank her. And then uh, the next day, I, I made the long journey. I began the long journey back to the Seattle area. And I felt like, at that particular point in time, I felt like that I had accomplished my goal, my mission, to honor my brother and to raise some money and, and to live out my faith. And uh, I was able to do that. I went back to, um, it took me about five or six days, I went back to Seattle and in Seattle, I was able to connect with my family. I spent a significant amount of time with my, with my dad and my family, being able to connect with them. Um, I was able to connect with my two nieces, my brother's uh, daughters. Um, we had a wedding for my nephew, which was significant because the last time we were all together was at my brother's funeral. So we were able to reconnect together as a family in a, in a wonderful way. And so God did some unique things with uh, not only this trip, um, but with my family. So, so what I want to do is this. Is I, I just want to take a moment, and I, I want to just um, put some points of application here of how this applied to me, and, may, and maybe it would, it, would, it would apply to you. Um, and, and the first application is, is this. I, I, I could not plan for the detours. I had no idea what to do. I knew that they would come. I knew that they would be there. But I had no idea what to do at hand, how to handle the detours. And when I found out, and as I was reminded that God is in the plan for the detours, and God is able to do exceedingly abundantly more than we ask or imagine, according to his power that works within us. King David was anointed to be the king. And how many years did David run from King Saul? How many years did he run? He knew he was going to be king. He knew he had been anointed to be king. He knew he was going to take the throne. Saul even knew that he was going to take the throne. And yet he waited, and he ran, and he survived. And in Psalm 57, you hear the heart of David as he expresses what's going on inside, as he waits on God to deal with not only him, but Saul. And notice what he says. He says this, I cry out to God most high, to God who fulfills his purpose for me. He will send from heaven and save me. He will put to shame him who tramples on me. 
And God did that to Saul. Selah. God will send out his steadfast love and his faithfulness. I, I just say thank you for your faithfulness and your part of making this an important part of my life. There's no doubt that you were praying. Um, the clouds, the critters, all of that. You know, when, when Clay and I were traveling, we were traveling at one particular point in time, I was behind him, and I could see an animal coming up over the road. He was in front of me. He couldn't see it because of the way that it was coming up. And this moose came up, and it ran right in front of him. And, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't a, a life-threatening, but it was no doubt a time to hit the brakes and be mindful of what those things are. And God was faithful to protect from the clouds, the critters, all of those things. Safety, I never once broke down. I never even dropped the bike. And I, I, I attribute to that as God's faithfulness. Listen, if you're in a detour of life, God's in the detours. You may not be able to see what's ahead, but God's in the middle of the detours. And he's not left you, he's not forsaken you. God is just simply moving you to a different place. And God is in the detours of life. Second thing is this, we, we all need, we all need a place of community. I cannot tell you how many times that I thought about the people of Hope Church and prayed for the people of Hope Church. You know, I was in contact through uh, different ways of what was going on in the lives of people. And being away from my church family, my sense of community was really, really challenging. It was difficult. I'm a community kind of guy. You know, I'm traveling by myself, and I go into a restaurant. I'm looking for someone to talk to. I'm looking for someone to talk to. When I stop and the motorcycles are there, I'm looking for motor, I'm looking for someone to talk to. I need that community. I need that fellowship. And, and I, I, I hope that we are all reminded that we need that kind of community. Only in heaven will I know the effect of the prayers of God's people and how that helped, saved, whatever might have been a part of God's plan in us living together in community together and praying for one another. So I, I am so grateful that you allowed me to be able to go. The last thing I, I want to be able to, to say is this. It's okay to step out in faith. This is, a, this is a hard journey for me. And by myself, for a variety of reasons of which you all know, it's okay for us to step out in faith. I believe God wants us to do that. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and he's a rewarder of those who seek him. And it's okay for us at times to step out in faith, not to test the Lord, but to step out in faith and to allow the Lord to work in our lives. You know, uh, somebody asked me yesterday if, if you can still give to this cause. And yes, you can. If you want to go to rideforrecovery.net, you can still um, see um, that uh, the opportunity to give is still there. The other thing is I, I wrote some blogs. If you... If you're not familiar, um, if you go to Ride for Recovery, there's some blogs in there. And I wrote some, some blogs of the trip. If you want to read that, you can do that. Um, the other thing that, that came out of this is that uh, there's two people. Um, uh, Andy is here and, and a, a gal by the name of Roxanne. And maybe what God will do is allow us to begin a celebrate recovery for people struggling with drug abuse and alcohol abuse, particularly drug abuse and drug rehab. And, and, and that's, that's my prayer for us as a community, that somehow, some way, we would be able to be a part of that because it, this is something that affects everybody. It, it's affected people in this church. You may not know about it, 
there's a family member, there's somebody else. Someone in this church, besides myself, has been affected by drug recovery or drug abuse. And it's there, and it's all around us. And it's only getting worse. And uh, I, I would like for us to be a part of being able to find the solution. So maybe, Lord willing, as we step on in faith, God will allow us to do this. So I thank you from the bottom of my heart for your grace. Thank you for taking care of my wife. Um, thank you for being faithful. And thank you for the people of Hope Church for all of your faithfulness and allowing me to be able to do this. And I am grateful for that. Let me pray. And then I want to read a passage before we take communion together. Father, thank you for your goodness. Your word says to give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love endures forever. And I thank you. I am grateful for the people of Hope Church. I'm grateful for their, their generosity and their grace and their patience and their work in allowing me uh, to go to, to do something that I hope in some way honored you and honored uh, the faith that I have, the trust that I have in you. And Father, I thank you for them. Father, I ask that you would continue to pour out your blessing. Uh, no matter where we would find ourselves in life, that you are in the detours of life. You know, maybe, maybe someone is, is just struggling right now for where they're at. Father, you've not abandoned them. And that even today, even now, you are already working for what's going to happen in the future. And Father, I pray that we would simply look to you and to trust you for who you are and what you would have and what you would do for us. Father, I thank you for my family from Hope Church, and I pray your special blessing upon them. Amen.